Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811. Very strange thing. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he asked me if I would sign a copy of his book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. This is a book that I wrote in 2016 and came out in 2017. So I did, and I decided to read the back cover. I don't always go back and read my books. Maybe I should. And here's what the back cover of this book says. And by the way, the great professor, Paul Kengor, is going to be using this course. Uh, excuse me, this book in a, in a course that he teaches at Grove City. Good man. And here's part of what I put in the epilogue. The epilogue, three years ago. I confess that I often wonder what America will become in 50 or 100 years. I should have taken a zero off of that, but here you go. What will the future hold for our children and grandchildren? Will they be free, happy, prosperous, independent, and secure? What will be left of our constitutional system? Will the Bill of Rights have the force of law? What about property rights? Will they matter? How many will remember or care to learn about our founding principles as concisely and brilliantly set forth in the Declaration of Independence? How many remember or care today? And what of the civil society or the social compact? Will it have frayed beyond repair? Will we have been conquered from within as Thomas Jefferson, Joseph Story, and Abraham Lincoln feared might be our fate? Will we have avoided the doom of Athens and Rome? If we're honest with ourselves, we must agree that the outcome is unclear. The reason? A century or so of progressive governance and schemes targeting the uniqueness of America, including its founding principles and Republican system. Future generations will look back on what we have done and know the answers. They will draw their judgments about this generation and record them in their history books. What lessons will they have learned? 
what will they say about us? Will they say that we were a wise and conscientious people who understood and appreciated the blessings of our existence and surroundings and prudentially and and conscientiously cared for them? Or will they say that we were a self-indulgent and inattentive people, easily shepherded in one direction or another, who stole the future from our own children and generations yet born and squandered an irreplaceable heritage? It's on the back cover of Rediscovering Americanism. I worry that we'll be able to answer many of those questions depending on how recent events turn out. Now, I want to talk a little bit about evidence. A little bit about as evidence. We keep hearing demands for evidence. We hear it from left-wing reporters. We hear it from Democrats and Republicans. We hear it from our friend Tucker. We hear it from everybody. I understand. Where's the evidence? Not just evidence, overwhelming evidence. I want to explain something, and I'll do it on the Sunday show as well. To file a civil complaint, that's what we're talking about civil litigation and what concerns me is the ignorance of people on TV and radio and obviously in the Democrat Party media and the ignorance or the unwitting deception of former federal prosecutors and professors on television to file civil complaint you need a reasonable basis in fact and law Allegations can be made on information and belief. Now, a motion to dismiss by the defense tests the legal sufficiency of the complaint. So, assuming everything in the complaint is true, this is how the judge looks at it. Does it state a claim upon which relief can be granted? So, for a motion to dismiss, everything is assumed to be true and all reasonable inferences are granted to the plaintiff. We've had some cases dismissed that were very solid cases out west, among other places, that all these commentators really haven't looked at and they haven't read. And so judges need to follow the rules. And in some cases, they're not. But that's a side point. Expedited discovery. Expedited discovery can be granted by a court And it often is. When injunctive relief is sought by temporary restraining order and or preliminary injunction, depending on the need for prompt resolution, that discovery can be ordered immediately, right in court, from the judge sitting in his chair. Courts have the power to speed discovery along and very fast. So you don't have to go, and most people don't go, into court, file civil complaint with reams and reams of quote-unquote evidence. Do you want to know why? Because there hasn't been discovery yet. They're trying to gather enough information where it looks like a reasonable basis exists in fact and law to the allegations that are being made. Now it's great if you can have sworn affidavits and the Trump campaign has hundreds and hundreds of sworn affidavits. But you don't have to have sworn affidavits. And you certainly don't have to have a ton of evidence. 
when you hear people on TV and radio going on and on, where's your evidence? Where you're at? Where's your evidence? Discovery hasn't even taken place. And then they say, well, then what's your point? They don't even understand how the civil litigation side of our justice system works. What do you mean, what's the point? I have enough information here to make an allegation based on a reasonable basis in fact and law. And we want the opportunity to pursue our lawsuit and to conduct discovery. Written discovery, document demands, depositions, whatever it takes. And we'd like to conduct discovery very, very quickly on a very fast schedule. And at that point, you can, in fact, get subpoenas. Right now, none of that exists unless a court allows it to exist. So again, the next time you hear a 25-year-old reporter or a host demand, where's the evidence, where's the evidence? And there's not enough evidence. You know, in many cases, they're ignoramuses who do not understand the process. I'll give you another example. Let's take this Dominion Voters system, or any of these voting systems, pick any of them. An unexplained significant deviation from expected results, mathematical inconsistency supported by experts, experts who look at the information, true experts, who file affidavits and file reports, that should be more than sufficient more than sufficient if they're credible individuals filing credible reports raising questions to establish a reasonable basis to file a complaint and justify fast discovery I only point this out because I'm, I'm getting so frustrated and worn out by watching so-called legal analysts on TV and then individuals who have neither a law background nor a comprehensive uh, or, or any understanding of how litigation works, pounding their fists on the table, demanding evidence. I must have the evidence. Well, if you have the evidence, you don't need discovery. And yet discovery is what's needed. That's why they're going to court. That's why they're providing information, allegations based on information and belief, a reasonable basis in fact and law. To pursue discovery. And judges need to comply with the law too. That the rules of procedure. That's all the campaign's asking for. And so you have that. That deals with allegations of fraud. And it also deals with a desire to look at these voting systems. To make sure they're accurate. And if you have experts coming out of Princeton, experts at uh, security measures, experts on statistics, mathematical inconsistencies, and so forth and so on, that should be enough. Well, where's your evidence? Where is it? I want the evidence. Where is the evidence? Well, then they get to pursue discovery. It'd be wonderful if somebody handed them 150,000 ballots and said, look at this. These are all printed in China. It never works that way. So that's just stupid. So this is the test that applies in the fraud cases. And this, this is the test that would apply with Dominion voting systems and the other voting systems. Okay? 
Number two, a constitutional claim. This is a separate bucket. The Constitution says at Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2, in this audience, you've memorized this already. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors, equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. In other words, the electors to the Electoral College. Is it going to be the Democrat electors or the Republican electors? Now, what does that mean exactly? Why would the framers of the Constitution and the ratifiers in the states want this specific language? Because it focuses on the legislature. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the fact is that the framers of the Constitution knew that they would have to focus on the legislature because otherwise the state conventions would never have ratified this Constitution. Remember, the states were creating this new federal government. They were not going to abandon or surrender their power over setting election laws. How do I know that? Because I went back and I read. I read some of the debates and discussions at the ratification conventions. That's why that language is in there. There's nothing about state judges, federal judges, a governor, secretary of state, boards of elections, which they never heard of before. No, 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 no. Not even the U.S. Supreme Court. The legislature has the final say. And so what you have, and there's a reason for that, among other things, what you have in Pennsylvania and what you have in Georgia with a consent decree are changes in the election laws, the status quo that were set in place by the state legislature as is required under the federal constitution. You have changes being made by courts, by governors, by secretaries of states, and by bureaucrats. All of which are unconstitutional. And for John Roberts to take a pass on this three or four weeks ago is appalling. What the Supreme Court should still say is it is a violation of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 for anybody but the legislature to create the state election laws. Otherwise, we're going to have chaos for the rest of time, and people are not going to trust the outcome of these elections, and I don't blame you. Number two is the Equal Protection Clause. It's in the 14th Amendment. It's in the 5th Amendment. As applies to the states, it's in the 14th Amendment. Bush versus Gore, they even raised it, the 5-4 to four majority. Well, what does that mean? That means you, be, you must treat voters the same. You can't have special privileges and special information for certain voters and not others. And so in several of these states, they change the rules. Again, again in Pennsylvania. As an example, one example, you had the Radical Democrat Secretary of State telling the various election boards in the various counties that are Democrat, mostly counties, like in Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, to cure the ballots. That is to open them before Election Day, which already violates state law. If there are problems, contact the voter and have them either file a new ballot or correct the ballot that was filed. That was not done in Republican areas for the most part. That's a clear violation of the Equal Protection Clause. And there are several other examples of this. Now, shouldn't we pursue these things or should we just stop? 
Georgie says he's done the recount. They didn't check the, the signatures. It was, all they did is count the same ballots. Now, they came up short a few thousand, but all they did is count the same ballots. That's not what the Trump administration is seeking. They want to know if the signatures match, among other things. They've been told too bad. More when I return. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. This Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin at 8 p.m. Eastern. I have one guest, Victor Davis Hanson. I open the show with a, with a monologue, which I normally don't do. I usually close it with one, and I'll close it with a short one as well. But I open it with a 15 to 20-minute monologue on the election and the litigation that's taking place, and I hope, I really hope you'll you'll be able to listen to it. If you can't listen to it live, well, you can DVR it, listen to it later. Uh, but I try to walk through this in a careful way uh, so people understand. There's been a ton of misinformation and disinformation out there about how litigation works. Some of the reporters on all the stations have been absolutely awful. Uh, some of the hosts are... are uh, are venting and pounding tables and making demands because they don't understand how this works. Uh, and you need to take the time to really understand it. Uh, you don't just, oh, look at this, evidence. doesn't work that way. You hope it does, but it doesn't. All right, more when I return. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. I think I'm going to dip in and out of philosophy 
as we go forward in the program because I think it relates. John Stuart Mill. Ever hear of John Stuart Mill? Brilliant man. He wrote on liberty. And as I write again in Rediscovering Americanism, I'm not encouraging you to buy, you don't have to buy anything. I'm, I'm handling this right here. He was writing and alive around the time that Marx and Engels were, Hegel, Rousseau, who really believed in the, uh, the abandonment of the individual for the state, even though they would argue that it was for the individual. And well, Mill witnessed in the 1800s the growing influence and tyrannical threat of the so-called reformers and what would later include the progressives, and he addressed them like this. He said, Some of those modern reformers who have placed themselves in strongest opposition to the religions of the past have been no way behind either churches or sects in their assertion of the right of spiritual domination. Their aims at establishing a despotism of society over the individual surpasses anything contemplated in the political ideal of the most rigid disciplinarian among the ancient philosophers. He's saying even the ancient philosophers, the great thinkers of mankind, never imagined communism or things like communism. He said, in fact... As Mill was writing his books and essays, I said, the ideologies of Rousseau, Hegel, and Marx, among others, were taking tangible political form at the urging of intellectuals throughout the world, including in the West, including in the United States. Marxism, Hegelism, Rousseauism, ladies and gentlemen, gave birth to the modern Democrat Party, to the so-called progressives. It runs completely contrary to our founding principles in our Constitution. Mill wrote, apart from the peculiar tenets of individual thinkers, there is also in the world at large an increasing inclination to stretch unduly the power of society over the individual, both by the force of opinion and even by that of legislation. And as the tendency of all the changes taking place in the world is to strengthen society and diminish the power of the individual, this encroachment is not one of the evils which tend spontaneously to disappear, but on the contrary, to grow more and more formidable. This disposition of mankind, whether as rulers or as fellow citizens, to impose their own opinions and inclinations as a rule of conduct on others, is so energetically supported by some of the best and by some of the worst feelings incident to human nature, that it is hardly ever kept under restraint by anything but one of power. And as the power is not declining but growing, unless a strong barrier of moral conviction can be raised against this mischief, we must expect in the present circumstances of the world to see it increase. I'd say he was prescient, wouldn't you, Mr. Producer? It's about 170 years ago, give or take. He saw it as much as the framers saw it. The tyranny, not just of the monarchy, but the tyranny of the mob. When you have the Washington Post writing a really barely literate tome in its editorial page to get rid of the Electoral College, that tells you everything you need to know. 
This is not a democracy, and it must never be a democracy, or we won't have a Bill of Rights. People don't get to vote up or down on the structure of the Constitution, on whether you have unalienable rights, and yet this is where we're headed when they're talking about effectively burning down the Supreme Court, burning down the United States Senate, burning down this, that, and the other institution. In order to advance the neo-Marxist and Marxist ideology, today called progressivism, but it's not, you must eliminate the barriers that are set up in a republic. And in our republic, it's set up in the Constitution. You must destroy them. This is why I get angry, more than frustrated, angry when I hear Republicans, oh, come on, let's get over with the vote. There are legitimate challenges taking place. They're ready to surrender at every turn. We're fighting for our republic. And as I said at the beginning of the show, what are our children and grandchildren going to say? What are future generations going to say? What are they going to write about us? As I say, during the course of this Friday program, I'll be touching on philosophy here and then rather than straight through. It was a great honor to interview the President of the United States on September 20th. Seems like yesterday. And I do seriously consider him one of the great presidents. For reasons that will be written about when we live in more sober times. We now know a vaccine is going to be available literally in days, maybe weeks but likely days for distribution. As a result of Operation Warp Speed, the administration working with the private sector, the administration clearing out the red tape and all the clutter that exists at the FDA and the NIH and the Infectious Disease Office and all the rest of it. President and his people did this despite the fact that they were under endless attack. They were mocked. They people who know nothing. And he already has produced tens of millions of vials, and syringes, and units for the vaccine, even before they knew if it was effective, just assuming it might be. And multiple vaccines, I might add. Very difficult in terms of transportation. The Pfizer vaccines have to be 70 degrees below zero. Well, then you don't just throw them in the back of a pickup truck and deliver them, do you? The Moderna vaccine has to be at freezing. Again, it requires special transport. And so all this has been worked out already. And unfortunately, it was all announced after the election. And I believe that was intentional. And so the man who is responsible for leading this effort is now fighting in the courts to uphold the Constitution. This whole vaccine issue at the time, the way the Democrats were treating it, was really appalling. It was unconscionable. Where the president is literally trying to save lives beyond masks and social distancing and all the rest. He understood, the president, that it's going to take a vaccine and it's going to take therapeutics to address this viral enemy. So here, I want you to listen to this in my interview with the president on September 20th. Cut to go. I want to start with the, uh, the vaccine. I'm watching the news coverage, and for some reason, the media and the Democrats are very hostile to 
to a vaccine. They're very hostile to a vaccine coming out quickly. They're trying to politicize this. The nine CEOs of these pharmaceutical companies, including Pfizer, said, we're not cutting corners, we're following the science. Why do you think there's such hostility from the Democrat Party, from my perspective, in the media about getting a vaccine in record time? They want to denigrate it. This started about three weeks ago because they started hearing rumors that we were going to have this vaccine in super record time. So instead of saying, wow, that's great, it's going to save a lot of lives and people are going to be protected and this whole thing will end faster, it's going to end anyway, but it's going to end faster, they started denigrating I noticed it about three weeks, they started denigrating it. And the reason they're doing that is because they think I'll get credit if we have a vaccine anywhere near the election, but certainly before the election. But essentially, we're there now anyway, and we're ready to distribute very rapidly. So what they're doing is trying to make it like, ah, that's not such a big deal, when actually it's one of the greatest things that anyone's done. And I'm not saying me, I'm saying anyone. It's so incredible, it's so important. And they've done it in record time. If this were a typical administration, this vaccine wouldn't be ready for two or three years because of the FDA process. I have totally changed the FDA process. Same safety, but the speed is from a different world. And we should have the vaccine approved very soon, up and approved. Plus, we have many companies doing it, great companies, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Moderna. Uh, we have many companies doing it, and almost all of them are having, the, so far, seemingly very good results. They're in phase three trial. That means we're right at the end of the process, really looking good and could be really early. And so all of a sudden, instead of saying, wow, this is great news, we're going to have the vaccine early, they're saying, oh, the vaccine's coming out too soon. It's going to be unsafe. It's going to be all of these things. It has nothing to do with the safety. These are great companies. They're not going to put themselves on the line. They would have tremendous liability. He was so right. And what was being done to him in this effort was so unconscionable. It's the only word I can think of. And the president today at the White House, again, absolutely right, cut three, go. This is not an easy thing to do. Big Pharma ran millions of dollars of negative advertisements against me during the campaign, which I won, by the way, but, you know, we'll find that out. Uh, almost 74 million votes. We had Big Pharma against us. We had the media against us. We had Big Tech against us. Uh, we had a lot of dishonesty against us. But Big Pharma alone ran millions and millions of dollars in ads. In fact, I looked at it and I said, who is it? Uh, they, uh, I've never seen anything quite like it because I told them I'm going to have to do this. You know, I was put here to do a job. And Pfizer and others we're way ahead on vaccines. You wouldn't have a vaccine if it weren't for me for another four years because FDA would have never been able to do what they did, what I forced them to do. And Pfizer and others even decided to not assess the results of their vaccine. In other words, not come out with a vaccine until just after the election. Now, let's That's stop right there. This, this is what's so disgusting. This is what's so outrageous. And rather than Mitt Romney, who is another media whore, out there throwing bricks at the President of the United States, demanding that he concede, Mitt Romney, 
who really has always been kind of a stupid guy, to be perfectly honest with you. He was always in his father's shadow, and most of what he has accomplished was a result of his father, both in business and politics, but that aside. Be nice, admit Romney had used his position to also talk about the vaccines that were coming, but he wouldn't. Be nice of Ben Sass, Mr. Phony Constitutionalist, rather than attacking the president, would have been supportive of this effort and would be speaking out about it now. I despise these people. And each day that goes by, I despise them even more. They contribute nothing to this society. Just a bunch of big mouths. They contribute nothing to the health and well-being of this country. They're self-righteous blowhards. That's exactly what they are. There is no way a Mitt Romney would have been able to run an Operation Warp Speed. He would have been devoured by the bureaucracy in two seconds. There's no way a Ben Sass would have been able to do it either. He'd still be looking for the men's room. I don't know of any president, Republican or Democrat, who would have been able to achieve this. None. And here I'm interviewing him about, what is it, seven weeks, give or take, before the election? He's telling the American people, we're very close, we're very close. And he was accused by the Democrats of politicizing the vaccine. That he was doing it too fast, that he was avoiding health and safety concerns, that he was doing it because of his election. And as it turns out, he was doing it to save lives, and it was the companies who sat on the results until after the election. Moderna and Pfizer. Moderna and Pfizer. And I don't know the amount for Moderna off the top of my head, but Pfizer got $1.9 billion in your dollars. And the reason why they're going to be distributing this vaccine in a matter of days, if not weeks, is because it's been produced. The government under Donald Trump already paid for millions and millions of units of this vaccine and the delivery technologies. It was in the works this summer. There is no way Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or any of the Marxists and neo-Marxists or the front people for the Marxists or the neo-Marxists would have done any of this. They'd be busy nationalizing these companies. They'd be busy locking down the economy, demanding you wear masks, telling you not to go to Thanksgiving, telling you not to travel. Because they don't know what the hell to do other than use the iron fist. And God forbid if they take over the presidency and the Senate. Because we the people will pay a price. Almost 74 million of us are going to pay the price of the ignoramuses who voted for tyranny. Let's hope not. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires educated people and people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses and through its support of classical K-12 charter schools. 
Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, commit to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. The learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God as described in the Declaration of Independence. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, and it will continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, Levin for Hillsdale.com. You know, when you read as much as I do, like for instance, this weekend, what am I going to do? Read. Research. Study. This is what I do. When you do as much of that as I do, and you do it your entire life, and you see the horizon of mankind, you see almost the beginning of mankind, even pre-ancients, then the ancients, and you move into, towards our period here, the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, which isn't that long ago. And then you look at the United States and you say, my God, this is, this is the hope diamond of civilization for thousands of years. And then you realize you're one election away from destroying it. It's hard to sleep at night. I can tell you that right now. It's hard to sleep at night. And to know that we might be outnumbered. It's just a, it's just a shocking wake-up call. What, from here on, we're one election away? One election, we can't win every single election for the Senate or the presidency and so forth. And they've even fixed that system. I don't mean reformed, I mean fixed it toward a certain outcome. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello America, Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, so Biden, who views himself as the putative president in the office of the president-elect, which none exists, of course, is sitting down with radicals who hate our country, hate our Bill of Rights, hate the Constitution generally, and want to control you, do not view you as individual human beings, but as groups to be manipulated. They're sitting down and trying to figure out how to control you how to impose their will on you. Exactly what John Stuart Mill was talking about. And people are actually voting for a relative handful of people to steal their liberty and impose their, impose their will on them. And this is why all the great thinkers who believed in liberty and republicanism and the social compact and civil society, they're all very wary of democracy mob rule which is now being pushed in the media 
It's being pushed by the Democrat Party and being pushed by pseudo-intellectuals in academia and out of academia. And so you get this from the Free Beacon, Stephen Gutowski, proposed Biden gun tax would top $34 billion. What the hell is this now? They come up with so many ideas on how to strip us of our of our property and our liberty and our protection. American gun owners could face tens of billions of dollars in new taxes to keep the guns they already own under Democrat Joe Biden's gun ban and tax policy. At least 20 million rifles and 150 million ammunition magazines would be caught up in the sales ban and registration scheme. Sales ban and registration scheme Biden touted on the campaign trail According to a National Shooting Sports Foundation report, and I might add in my own area here in Virginia, which used to really be a free state, and it's not anymore. The Attorney General of Virginia brought a case in a uh, a low-level trial court here in Virginia to stop uh, one of the biggest gun shows on the East Coast from taking place at the Dulles Convention Center, and I was planning on stopping by myself. And they uh, shut it down because uh, there were too many people who were going to show up over the course of a long weekend, three-day weekend. They were expecting uh, 25,000 people coming and going, and I've been to this show before. It's fantastic. All the people at this show are adults. They all were wearing masks. They're all very cognizant of the six-foot rule. In other words, they followed the rules There's even police officers in there to make sure everybody behaves themselves. It's the safest place on planet Earth, a gun show. The most dangerous place on planet Earth are places where you're not allowed to have guns, like prison. That's a dangerous place. Or our big cities, when the marauders for Antifa and Black Lives Matter are going through uh, different streets and different towns, brutalizing people, and in some cases, yes, killing them. Burning down structures, pulling down monuments, doing what the left does. Now, the uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation told the Washington Free Beacon the sheer number of affected guns and magazines could pose a significant problem for Biden's gun control plans. Quote, I think if Biden and his team were smart, they would look at those numbers and get an idea of where America stands on gun ownership and gun rights. Well, they're not smart, and they're going to do what they want. And this is why Schumer and the Democrats want to destroy the Supreme Court. Any institutional barrier that exists for a reason to prevent a mob, even a temporary mob, from destroying your, your human liberties, the right to protect yourself among them, Will be, will be removed, will be destroyed by the Democrats. This is what Schumer means by we're going to change America if we win these Senate races in Georgia. And there are people who want America changed. There are people who want to be treated as if they're not free-thinking, free-will adults. The problem is that that kind of attitude becomes a law, and that law is imposed on all the rest of us. It's not enough that they've destroyed so many states like California, New York, and New Jersey, and Illinois, and Rhode Island, you go down the list. They want to impose their will on the entirety of the country. And even more, 
the Washington Post and the rest of them want to take away representation. The franchise. From those who refuse to buckle. So you'll have no way to exercise any input into the system. This is a throwback. Pre-enlightenment throwback. This is a form of totalitarianism. You can have totalitarianism from legislatures. You can have totalitarianism from presidents. You can have totalitarianism in all kinds of forms. It's dressed up in many ways. And you'll also notice the Democrats accuse their opponents of doing what they're doing. This is a typical Saul Linsky tactic. They're all Alinskyites. Biden wants to ban new sales of AR-15 rifles and similar firearms, as well as any ammunition magazine holding more than 10 rounds, sizes that come standard on most modern rifles and handguns. He would pay some owners to surrender the affected guns they legally own and force everyone to register the guns under the National Firearms Act. Why? Why? Does that help law enforcement? No. Most of the shootings that take place in the inner cities, number one, a lot of these killers get get away scot-free. And number two, they're not using licensed guns. They don't go into a gun store, go to a gun show, or go to an NRA convention. Hey, Frank, how are you? Oh, Arnold, I'm doing just great. How are you? How are the kids? Oh, great. That's not where they get their guns from. So this is aimed at all of us. This isn't aimed at dressing criminals who they'd let out the back door anyway. And the proposal would require owners to pay a $200 tax stamp for each item. Every magazine, every gun, you're going to pay $200. And they're going to go back. Nothing's grandfathered in. The report said the kinds of rifles Biden wants to ban made up nearly half of all rifles produced in 2018. The group's estimates may actually be undercounts. While they use the latest Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives manufacturer reports, those only cover up to 2018. AR-15s have continued to grow in popularity since then. Mark Olivia, a spokesman for the group, he said... That manufacturer's report comes out with an 8 to 24 month delay. That number is probably significantly higher now. And he pointed to record sales in 2020 as evidence, of course. He said those numbers combined with the fact that Americans increasingly favor AR-15s and other rifles targeted by Biden and gun control advocates are evidence the country is not interested in strict gun laws. It doesn't matter what the country is interested in. What the Democrat Party and the left do is they claim to represent the people. If the people aren't behind them, they still claim to represent the people. It doesn't matter. It's like communist China or communist Cuba or the Islamo-Nazi regime in Iran. They all claim to represent the people while they're controlling the people. while they're degrading the people. Now when I come back, 
I want to address what's going on with our children today in our school systems. And I want to know how much longer we're going to tolerate these teachers' unions that are setting policy based on what their teachers want to do rather than what the taxpayer and the parents want to do and rather than what's in the best interest of the children. This stuff about following the science seems to exclude schools and teachers and seems to exclude rioters, arsonists, and looters. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, LEVINPODCAST, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. schools so ladies and gentlemen the last half of the school year in this year was lost that is there was no in person schooling six months now we move into this period we have a handle on the data a very good handle on the data any scientists, public or private, who claim that particularly young children are susceptible to dangerous conditions from this virus are lying. They're flat out lying. There's no data to support that. None. None. And apparently they aren't very good at passing the virus to adults either. We're not talking about college age now. The reason our schools are closed isn't because they haven't been provided with billions and billions of dollars to prepare or alter conditions for the virus. They have in previous relief bills. It's not that we don't know how to do this. We've been doing this now since February and doing more and more of it in terms of masks and distancing. All of that can be done in our schools. But what's happening now is the same people and the same party and the same phonies who go on and on about follow the science don't want to follow the science. Whether it's violent rioters, that is the Democrat paramilitary wing of the party, or whether it's our school systems, because they don't want to upset the teachers union. The teachers union controls what's going on in these school districts particularly in the cities, particularly in heavily populated suburban counties. Look at Fairfax County, Virginia, a county with over a million people. 
It's the tail that wags the dog in many cases in elections in Virginia. The teachers union controls that county as it controls Arlington County, Loudoun County, Prince William County. All the big population areas in Northern Virginia are controlled by the teachers unions. New York City, controlled by the teachers unions. Los Angeles, Chicago, Philadelphia. And not only that, in many cases, they're getting raises. They haven't lost their health care. They haven't lost their pensions. They haven't lost all the other benefits they receive under their contract. So they have no reason to want to go back into the classroom. I'm not talking about the exceptional teachers who really are ethical. So if you're among them, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about the union leadership and the vast majority of the members. So they're utterly unaffected when we have quote-unquote shutdowns and in our uh, cities and so forth, because they're not part of the private sector. And they're going to get paid, and they're going to get their pension, and they're going to get their medical care, which many in the private sector don't have anyway. And notice how they all cover for each other. The politicians, the Cuomos, and the Blasios, those are only two, but all over the country, they protect the bureaucrats, and the bureaucrats protect them, particularly in the government sector. Except, of course, if you're cops or firefighters or emergency personnel, they don't count, apparently. And this is a great scandal, a horrific scandal. We have no idea what we're doing to the next generation of young children. No idea. We do know they're not able to socialize. We do know from serious experts and professionals who are not myopic like Fauci is myopic on infectious diseases. But people who are psychiatrists and psychologists, people who have to handle depression and bipolar, and people who have to handle you know, others who are, who are suicidal, people who have to pick up the pieces when you have dysfunctional families and you have violence and abuse, parents who don't know how to teach their kids, maybe don't, don't know what to do because they have to go to work and put food on the table. Single family uh, parent homes as an example. None of this apparently matters. None of it. And Joe Biden allows no escape because he said there'll be no federal funding for alternative schools. Period. It's the government school or no school. So if the teachers say no or the teachers strike, the kids are out of luck. So let us be abundantly clear right now, unequivocally clear. Our government school system does not exist for the benefit of the children. It exists for the benefit of the employees. And all of you are paying a dear price. When you look, most states, in your property, (coughs) excuse me, in your property tax bill, you will see that in the property taxes you pay, 70%, give or take, of what you pay, 70 cents out of every dollar, goes to your school systems. But there's no school in many counties now. You're still paying. It's a racket. It's an absolute racket. And what Joe Biden has said is, we need more unions. More unionization. He wants to turn us into pre-Margaret Thatcher Britain where unions could shut down railroads, they could shut down airlines, they could shut down 
automobile traffic. They could shut down manufacturing. They could shut down whatever they want. That's Joe Biden's nirvana. Because in the end, none of that matters to him. None of that matters to them. Power through the Democrat Party. That's all that matters. And your kids are suffering as a result of it. And any of the fools in the suburbs and elsewhere who voted for that party, this is on you. This is on you. Without any explanation, writes Daniel Horowitz. Mayor Bill de Blasio ordered all schools shut, transferring nearly one million New York City students to chaotic online learning. Except it turns out there's no spread in the schools, despite the uptick in community spread. Rather than focusing on balancing nursing home safety and family visitation through mass testing, Governor Cuomo ordered mass testing of 10 to 20 percent of the public school population every month, all for a virus that clearly does not spread that much among children and certainly does not pose a greater risk to them than the typical pathogens they pick up every year in school. After testing over 140,000 students, just 0.23%, one-fifth of a percent, were found to be positive. In other words, just a few thousand cases are asymptomatic or extremely mild over the course of several months in the nation's largest city. This is less than we see for a typical flu, even early on in the season. I want to continue this when we return because... Parents and grandparents tend to love their children and grandchildren. The Democrat Party pretends to want to care for them. They want family leave. They want all kinds of stuff. But they don't want to educate them because the teachers union doesn't want to go back to work. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. Don't forget, important show Sunday. Important show Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Life, Liberty, and Levin. If you can't watch it live, you might want to DVR it, I think. I like to think of it as as a show that... uh, brings sanity to topics, brings true substance to topics, and reinforces our belief in this country. Let me see if I can take a few calls here. Hold on one second. Oh, that's too bad. Somebody has left us. I don't mean not permanently. All right, let's go to Christy, Long Island, the great WABC. Christy, go right ahead, please. 
Hello, Mark? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Um, listen, the network news has been totally brushing over the uh, election lawsuits. They don't even cover them. They, they, they don't even tell you what they're the about. No, they don't, nothing about it. So what I think we do, we need a live-in surge. Mm. We need to start calling the news tip lines. And no, listen, I, I, don't, I don't waste surges on that. I'm just telling you, I understand your point. These people are the enemy. They're not adversaries. They're not just liberals. I wrote an entire book about them. I want to write more about them. They really are the enemy. They have really affected the the uh, well-being of this country. The uh, Really, this country, most of us, for the longest time, were, were not in a rage. We were not upset. There was not this anguish. But the news media has contributed immensely to the tumult that's taking place in this country. And they continue to do it. And they're liars. So I don't think uh, flooding their phone line where not a single host will hear from us. Some intern will hear from us and then clean out the voicemail. I don't really want to waste the audience's time with that. Okay. I hear your point. I, I am concerned like you. And what's going to have to happen is the meter going to have to crash. Crash of their own weight. What's, unfortunately, what's also happening is the billionaires are stepping in to save them. Or massive corporations. AT&T stepping in to subsidize CNN. CNN can't make it on its own. MSNBC, part of NBC, all part of Comcast. We're paying Comcast. Now, the good news is these cable companies are losing subscribers by the hundreds of thousands every year. And so there are ways around cable, and you're to look into it. There are things you can do in your own life, and then if we all do it, or so many of us do it, it has an impact. Like we have a campaign right now to get out of Facebook, and we're going to continue to use Facebook right up to the end of the year to promote Parler. I don't have any interest in Parler, and then we're going to drop Facebook. I'm not going to post another damn thing there. Goodbye, Facebook. Well, then they've won. They haven't won. I want nothing to do with them. So, uh, anyway, I want to thank you for your call. I really appreciate it. Have a happy Thanksgiving. It's too early for that. I will be here Monday and Tuesday, as a matter of fact. Chris, Omaha, Nebraska, the great K-O-I-L, and the home of that phony constitutionalist, Ben Sass. How are you? It's a pleasure talking with you. Um, you know, I, I'm seeing on uh, social media that basically the Republicans, are fe- the people, are feeling defeated, and they're asking, what can I do? You know, we've got, like in parlor, we've got such a, a, a untapped resource to actually get together and organize. You know, I hear this uh, every about every month. We need to get together and organize. Are you aware that there's a group called Convention of States out there? Are you aware you we know, just had an election to organize and to fight? Are you aware there's an election now coming in Georgia to organize around and fight? I, right, I don't right. know what's stopping people. Media. I've what is it? Very, yeah, you're, uh, we're terrible at, at organizing. We need to pick one individual, somebody who will step forward. Okay, and say, here's what always by the one. We the the plural means nothing to me. What do you mean we? Who is we? Who are we? We we the angry. No, 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 no. It, the word should be you. You're going to help organize your community, your friends, your church. Not we. We means nothing. Because when you hang up, you're going to go get a hamburger, and that'll be the end of it, right? Honestly, be honest with me. Come on. 
He's gone. I'm not into the we need to stuff. Is that what Thomas Paine wrote? We need to? No, he wrote pamphlets that had an impact. What do I need to do? Look, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and that's why I have a uh, healthy mind, quite frankly. But when I do stuff, I don't say we need to do. I need to do this. I need to rally. I need to write this. I need to say this on the air. I need to help this. I need to. That, that's how things get done. I, you know what? We all need to do this. Okay. What are we doing this weekend? I'm not impressed by we need to organize. We have organized, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I'm watching people, even on my favorite cable network, conservatives and pseudo-conservatives, telling us to give up now. Stop the litigation. The litigation may get us nowhere, but it may get us somewhere. But we organized on this vote. Did we not? We organized. And now we're just supposed to surrender. Here's the other thing. We. There are lawyers, volunteers being paid nothing. We're in their second week of litigation. They've left their homes. They've left their, their law firms or their own practice. And they're fighting like hell. And they're being undermined by commentators on TV and radio. So, Give it up. There's nothing you can do. And what? Wait till 2024. I just heard one of them say. Wait till 2024. And what's going to happen in 2024? The Pennsylvania rules are going to be the same. The Georgia rules are going to be the same. The changes that they made in other states are going to be the same, and they're going to make even more changes. You're going to wind up with a bunch of California. So what do they mean? Wait till 2024. It's always fight the next battle, fight the next battle, fight the next battle. How about we fight this battle until we're done? Another week or 10 days or two weeks, that's not going to kill anybody. Gives a crap what Romney has to say. Media keep bringing that media whore on TV. Romney doesn't represent a single one of us. He's a narcissist. He's a saboteur. He actually voted to remove Trump from office over a Ukraine phone call that added up to nothing. He was all in favor of a palace coup. He was all in favor of reversing the course of the election and the course of history. Now he can't understand why aren't we having a, a smooth transition. The same people who tried to destroy Donald Trump, who tried to undermine our vote for four years, are now talking about this is dangerous to a democracy that the president of the United States uses the courts, the lawful means to make challenges. That that's bad for democracy. First of all, we're a republic. Secondly, I don't need to hear from Eric Holder or Joe Biden. Joe Biden didn't say a damn thing in four years. To call off the, uh, the, the, uh, the dogs. Nothing. And these people have serious agendas that are going to destroy what you and I embrace. How many times do I have to say it? The Supreme Court. The Senate itself. The Electoral College. The media support this. The Democrats support this. Academia supports this. The billionaires support it because they love centralized power. Because they buy off these people and they get pretty much what they want. But you and I, we're the ones undermining democracy. We're the ones who are kooks and conspiracy theorists. Crap on that. 
And yet people who I like and trust are on TV telling us to give it up. Fight another day as they sit in their think tanks or sit in their homes. Fight another day. They're not even fighting today and they never fight. All they do is talk. No, we fight today. And unlike our enemies, our political enemies, we're not interested in destroying the institutions. We're not interested in destroying communities and burning them to the ground. We're not interested in, in harming people. We want what's ours. The First Amendment is ours. The Second Amendment is ours. The franchise is ours. It belongs to us. Don't be so quick to surrender. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, one day only sale. Wouldn't you rather just work with a company who puts you on a pedestal every day? That's what you get with Pure Talk, a veteran-run wireless company that understands what it means to serve. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. Now, if you're with them, you're overpaying pure and simple. Pure Talk can easily save you over $400 a year. Unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. What a novelty, a company that actually puts their customers first. You can keep your phone and your number or get great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Just go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. When you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code L-E-V-I-N, Levin Podcast, Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I want you to look at this headline, or I'll read it to you, in the Los Angeles Slimes. Dated November 26 a.m. this morning. Ready for this? Face mask trial didn't stop coronavirus spread. But it shows why more mask wearing is needed, Mr. Producer. What? Face mask trial didn't stop coronavirus spread, and I said it hasn't. But it shows why more mask wearing is needed. This is the media. And it's Karen Kaplan, science and medicine editor. She's the editor. I'd hate to see the associate editor. That's crazy. And I'll ask the question for the four billionth time over the past several weeks. More people are wearing more masks than ever before. And as you go around outside, ladies and gentlemen, you notice that more people are wearing more masks than ever before. In fact, to be perfectly honest with you, I rarely see a person without a mask unless there's nobody around them and they're near their car. But once they're going into the grocery store or Walmart or something, they put the mask on. Everybody's doing it. All races, all sizes, all sexes, all transitioning, all religion. Everybody's doing it. And so when Fauci goes out there, wear the, wear the mask, they're saying something that's already being done. Here's the problem. Here's what I've been saying. If you're having a massive increase in the coronavirus, despite virtually everybody wearing a mask, virtually all the time they're with other people, except at home with their family, sorry, then the mask isn't cutting it, is it? 
and, and the media just allow this contradiction to stand out there. Because they don't want to undermine their boy Fauci, the Fauci. Who needs to be retired? And I want to remind you of something else. He had nothing to do with this vaccine. Even though they keep inviting him on, and he's more than happy to leave the impression that he did. He had nothing to do with the vaccine. Maybe he commented, you know, that's really a damn good vaccine. You know, something like that. Mr. Producer, let's try something. Let us invite Barack Obama on the show to promote his book. Would you get in touch with his publisher? It's not my publisher, is it? I don't think so. They won't pay that kind of money. Well, let's see if we can get Barack Obama on the show. I mean, he's so erudite, so brilliant, so iconic. He's unmatched in human history. Let's see if we can get Barack Obama on the show. I admit... I'm not this guy, Scott Pelley, on 60 Minutes. I admit it. I'm not Jimmy Kimmel. I admit it. But I do have some questions to ask on this little old radio show. So we'll give Barack Obama a shot and see if he'll come on the show. So we can talk about him. Excuse me, talk to him. I would be extremely civil. And like Joe Biden on the Amtrak train about a year and a half ago. Remember him? I remember you. You're a smart ass. That's what the guy says to me. I almost said to him, I remember you. You're a dumbass. But, you know, I said, no, no, no I'm not going to get the Joe's level. <laughs> Sitting across from the bathroom on the Amtrak uh, cellar. That's what he was doing. I mean, we we're very close to it, you know, so he could be private. He's very busy in his private thoughts, such as they are. My God. All right, let's see what we have here. Uh, okay, yes. Uh, I'm looking, ladies and gentlemen, at the for the calls. I'm about to get them. I think, yeah, here we go. Let's see if people are still there. John! Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, XM Satellite, Go! Yes, sir. Mark, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I love the way you talk about the Constitution. It's like you're building a fine piece of furniture by hand. Thank Um, you. I wanted to call because, you know, it's it's really funny that, as you mentioned, how these pharmaceuticals got all this taxpayer dollars and they just somehow couldn't help, you know, they just held the results all the way until after the election. And then, you know, I was thinking about it, listening to you and uh, Breitbart, and, um, you know, it's it's funny because they're just holding out just so they know they're going to get all this massive subsidies and all this government money from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Probably right. But the idea that they didn't know the results when Pfizer announced it five days after the election and the Moderna soon after that is a big whopper of a lie. And really, they... Uh, they did a grave disservice to this country. They really did. They played politics with the vaccine. Thank you for your call, my friend. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to say something about Sidney Powell. I've gotten to know her over the last few years. I didn't know her before that. She said some very, very crucial cases over this word we call justice. Justice. Remember Andrew Weissman? Well, she had to deal with a case that Andrew Weissman was involved in, in which they destroyed Arthur Anderson, in which men who were innocent went to prison, and she took up the case in defending one of these men and helped expose Weissman and what they had done to these men. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to take on the government. She stepped in, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Flynn, where nobody else would, and forced the Department of Justice and the FBI to release information that you and I have talked about and we have read. That's truly unbelievable what was being done to this hero, this general, three-star general, Flynn. We owe her a debt of gratitude. Then she was asked to help the president in the Trump campaign litigation. And she's been pursuing, among other things, this Dominion voters issue. A company with a truly quite seriously troubling past as has been reported not by Sidney Powell but PBS in October, NBC USA Today the Canadian Broadcasting System, the New York Times and many others Huffington Post she has talked to statistical experts, mathematicians and others who are very troubled by the results they're looking at And they have told her things, and others have, causing her to draw conclusions about this company and some of the things that it did. And for this, she's under attack from people at Fox. And one of them even suggested that the company should sue her for defamation. You know, it's bad enough. It's bad enough when the usual enemies are trying to destroy somebody like this. But it's really unconscionable when others are doing the same thing. Let her finish her work. Let her finish her job. And the chips will fall where they may. Why attack her? Why try to destroy her in advance? I don't believe in positioning oneself creating narratives, looking to get a pat on the head from the left-wing media. I don't believe in any of that stuff. But Sidney Powell has earned and deserves the right to be able to present information in a court of law, which is the way it's supposed to be done. Now, I began the program explaining how 
civil litigation works. At some point, if the court allows it, you conduct discovery. That's what she's trying to do. She deserves our thanks, not our disdain. This is what separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls. This is what separates the loyal from the disloyal. I'm not, by the way, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I'm just hearing these rustlings that are taking place. Same with Rudy Giuliani. The mocking of Rudy Giuliani. Some people sound like the leftists. They mock Giuliani. They mock the president. They, they mock Rush. They mock Hannity. They mock me. Why participate in that? These people are nobodies. It's one thing to sit, I'm being honest, to sit behind a radio microphone or behind a television camera and pontificate. And to demonstrate how smart you are. And you have a lot of power behind a microphone, whether on TV or radio. You can hurt people. You can hurt people. Some people deserve to be exposed. Some people deserve to be slapped around because that's what they do. But Sidney Powell's not one of them. And no better man than Mike Flynn will tell you that. And the people who work with you will tell you that. So I'm going to keep an eye on things, Mr. Producer. Don't you agree? I'm going to keep an eye on things. On the bizarre attacks against Sidney Powell. That doesn't mean she can't be questioned. That doesn't mean you you have to agree with her. That doesn't mean anything. It just means... She doesn't deserve to be character assassinated. And I will defend her from that. General Flynn will defend her from that. And all patriots who are listening to my show will defend her from that. Now, let's see how they treat Joe Biden at ABC, NBC, and PBS. And Siri Adam, Mary Bruce of ABC, Kristen Welker, who's really really seems to take a liking to Joe Biden, NBC. And remember Yamich Alcinda, remember her? How hateful she was to Trump? Let's listen to this Newsbusters montage, Cut 6, Go. You have said that if this transition doesn't get going, especially coordination on vaccine distribution, that lives will be lost. How many lives do you think are at risk here if this transition remains stalled? And when you take a step back and you look at the way the president is handling this, his refusal to concede, what do you think is really going on here? In your view, Mr. President-elect, what do you think the president is doing? What are Americans witnessing here? Now, just stop here. ABC News should fire her. This is, this is un- I'll use the word, unconscionable. It's appalling. Absolutely appalling. Now we have Kristen Welker of NBC. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President-elect. Thank you, Vice President-elect Harris. Appreciate it. Nice to see you as well. Yes, appreciate (laughs) it. Um, Let's just stop there. Have you ever heard the media talk to the president that way? No. Go ahead. 
said that lives could be lost if you don't start getting briefings from the Trump administration. And now here we are, more than 250,000 lives could be lost. Given that, how do you justify not taking legal action to get the briefings that you say are critical, that you say you need? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, Yamitri, Yamitri Alcindor, PBS. Go ahead. The fact that the president is having these calls with Michigan County officials um, amid his bid to overturn the election. He's going to be having also Michigan Republican legislators at the White House tomorrow. So anything that he's doing, making you rethink your strategy. I know you say um, that you don't want to have legal action right now. And so they're you- pushing in the take legal action the way they push the Democrats on impeachment. Go ahead. Especially immigrant Americans who came to the United States looking for political stability and seeing all the things that the president is doing. Immigrant Americans. None of these people are journalists. They're all sullying the so-called profession of journalism. They didn't ask a single question of Biden about what it is that he would do to stop the Democrats from destroying the Supreme Court or the Senate. No questions of any kind to challenge Joe Biden, who they call president-elect, and his policies. None. None. Very sleazy attempts to trash President Trump by going to Joe Biden and asking him to trash President Trump asking him to sue President Trump from ABC, NBC, and PBS. Of course they're the enemy of the people. These people are not professional. They're frauds. If we took real newsmen and anchormen 50 years ago, many of whom were very liberal, but they were very good at covering it up because they really wanted to be news people. What do you think Howard K. Smith, those of you who are old enough, would say about this? Or Huntley and Brinkley, what do you think they'd say about this? Or even Walter Cronkite, what do you think he'd say about this? I think they'd be absolutely appalled. Absolutely appalled. The left, whether you're dressed up as a journalist or dressed up as a teacher union boss whether you're dressed up as a politician, whatever you are, you're destructive. You're destructive. You're a wrecking ball. What do you make of the fact that the president fill in the blank? Fill in the blank. What about the Trump administration not giving you briefings? With more than 250 lives, fill in the blank. Aren't you concerned that the transition hasn't taken place and the lives that are at risk? Fill in the blank. It's Trump. How would filling in Joe Biden about what's actually taking place on the ground? That vaccines are going to be given within days. That by April, every American who needs or wants a vaccine will have one. Not a positive word about the president who was in charge and is in charge when this is taking place. Nothing. 
Not a word. Holding this president responsible for the deaths of, of 250,000 people while parading with Andrew Cuomo on their shoulders. And Yamichi Alcinder, who is a race baiter, who is a nasty lady. I've watched her. I've listened to her. Going after the President of the United States via Joe Biden. The media are hated for a reason. Because they deserve it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Scott Walker is the multi-term former governor of the state of Wisconsin, now the head muckety-muck at Young Americans for Freedom. Scott Walker, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm great. I love the Walk This Way bumper music. Very, very nice. <laughs> Good to be with well, you. Well, you know, we're not anything. We're sharp. But anyway, uh, Governor, <laughs> I need to understand Wisconsin. It's it's a close state, but you won many elections there. And um, there's some issues. Here. I mean, that's an awfully close vote. And the President of the United States would like a a recount that actually is more of an audit, you know, and in, in these uh, in these counties he wants to look at. What do you make of all this? Well, you're right. And, and we won uh, th- three statewide elections, so we know exactly what's uh, what's at stake here in this election. Even with the results as they came out after the election itself, uh, the difference between the president and former vice president uh, Biden was less than one percent so automatically under the law that allows for a recount which the president's team is rightfully asking for out of the millions of votes cast in wisconsin you're talking about roughly twenty thousand and it's not just the recount it's really the legal argument three key areas in each of these and and imagine this right they're actually talking about people following the law i know that's hard for some of the media understand but following the law in three simple areas one Uh, The law clearly states in Wisconsin that incomplete ballots don't count. And there's a real issue about clerks and other election officials filling in the addresses for people who submitted absentee ballots. That's not allowed under the law. Secondly, uh, the law clearly states that you have to have a written request to get an absentee ballot. And yet in places like Dane County, uh, where the state capital is at, they were handing out uh, absentee ballots, again, in direct conflict with the, the statute and the law itself. And third, there's a photo ID requirement, which I proudly signed into law years ago as governor, 
And it says that the only exception to that is someone who is what's called indefinitely confined. I think any rational, reasonable person would realize that's, for example, someone in a nursing home who can't physically uh, get out. But for everyone else, you've got to show a photo identification to meet that requirement. And yet the clerks in the two largest counties, the ones in this recount, Milwaukee and Dane counties, uh, publicly uh, promoted the idea that people should claim that they were indefinitely confined because of COVID to get around the photo ID requirement. So three very specific violations of the law, and I think they've got a compelling legal argument. And you know, Governor, you're right. We're talking about 20,000 votes, which, uh, which, is, which is not a lot. You're talking about three areas in which it is known that the law wasn't complied with. So why is it controversial? Why is it? Why is it that when Republicans or conservatives, in this case, the Trump campaign wants the law enforced, wants to see what happens, and the other side, which is responsible for what they've done, why is it that those who are trying to enforce the status quo, the law, why is it that they're controversial? Well, it's all about power, and if you're against the power structure, uh, we didn't hear these same things from our neighboring state back a dozen years ago when Al Franken waited and waited and waited and finally declared victory after the first of the year in January of that year, long after the November elections, uh, when uh, many of us felt uh, he stole that election from uh, Norm Coleman. Uh, All we're asking for here is that legally cast votes, legally cast ballots should be counted in the final results, no more, no less. It's a pretty simple concept. It's one of those where I think it's a very definable number. Some people say, you know, with examples of of, uh, an issue of a case of fraud here or there, that's harder to quantify. But in this case, in each of the three instances I gave, these are all publicly known. This isn't some um, quiet conspiracy. We know it's been reported broadly uh, that the law was violated in each of these cases, although the initial reporting wasn't that they violated, but they clearly talked about what occurred uh, particularly in these two largest counties, and it is direct. Oh, did we lose them? Ah, the phone system. Let's call back the governor, and we'll bring him on after the bottom of the hour, Mr. Producer. I'm sorry, folks. Scott Walker was a superb governor, and he's a man of enormous integrity. Go ahead, uh, Governor. I'm sorry. Oh, that's right. I said, when you're talking about following the law, apparently there's hackers out there that even love to cut your phone off. But (laughs) the bottom line is all we're asking for is that the ballots that were legally cast by eligible voters in the state of Wisconsin be the ones included in the final count. No more, no less. Who can be against that? Should have absolute transparency should absolutely follow the, the letter of the law as it is written, as it was. Well, uh, well Governor, apparently Mitt Romney's against it. Ben Sass is against All these guys want to hang up now. And then when you look in Pennsylvania, oh, what's that? It's amazing. I mean, can, can I carry you over that. the bottom of the break here? Yes, absolutely. Okay, we have a hard break. So stick with us, Governor Walker. We're going to continue this discussion. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Oh, boy, oh, boy. All right. Governor Scott Walker. Unfortunately, we had that uh, that break, and we had, had that little mishap with the phone. I want to continue with this in, in Wisconsin. Uh, there's an effort by some Republicans like Romney and others to dismiss this, say there's no evidence of fraud, there's no evidence of this. Not. Do they understand how the electoral process works in that uh, you have recounts, you have canvassing, you have recounts, some cases you have audits, sometimes you have litigation in order to to check whether or not there's been fraud or there's been a problem, and they just dismiss this. Well, unfortunately, I worry they're going back to the pre-94, pre-Newt era where Republicans were just happy being in the minority, just happy in, in the resistance and not doing enough to persist uh, in elections, to persist to restore order, to persist particularly when it comes to changing culture. And, you know, we saw 20 years ago, Democrats didn't back down when Al Gore took this all the way to December uh, 13th. As I mentioned, a dozen years ago, Al Franken took it all the way to January. We owe it to the, the tens of millions of Americans who voted for this president and this vice president, many of whom were first-time voters and or many of them were first-time voters for a conservative. Uh, the last thing we can do is just ignore the very obvious problems. Like I mentioned, the state of Wisconsin, where it's not a secret that in these three instances I rattled off, it is very publicly known that they did not follow the state law. And at a minimum, uh, that has to be exposed. And uh, those people involved with it have to be held accountable. I mean, do these Republicans think that next election, if this stuff isn't addressed and fixed, that it's not going to happen again? What, what are they thinking? No, they, we've got to completely go through every step of the way, again, for the not just for ourselves, not for Republicans, but for the tens of millions of voters. And then... No matter what happens in the final outcome, and, and one of the bright sides in Election Day was that every Republican majority in the states was maintained, and they actually added three more, one in Alaska and both houses in, in New Hampshire. In all these states, I would include not just Republican, but, but particularly in Republican-led majority states, they've got to come back early next year and really change and update the laws. We did it years ago when I was governor putting in place photo identification. But I think there needs to be a massive change in terms of early voting and absentee voting, which has gone far away from what it was originally intended. And that was for people who are nursing homes, were sick in the hospital or people uh, deployed uh, around the world. It wasn't for early voting and, and really ignoring the state statutes. And that's where we've come in this country. It's got to be fixed. 
And also, I think Republican state legislatures need to assert or reassert their authority under the federal constitution and make it abundantly clear to their courts, to their governors, to their secretaries of state, that they call the shots under the federal constitution and that the laws that they pass, the election laws that they pass, those will be the laws under which the voting will occur and electors will be chosen. And as for their interference, really undermining the federal and state constitution, that those positions will be null and void. I really think state legislatures need to take control. Well, a prime example of that, as you know, is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, where the state Supreme Court, which had been commandeered, bought and paid for by Eric Holder, ignored the state statute regarding ballots, absentee ballots coming in after the date of the election. And in what unfortunately has been a commonplace, and that is saying Chief Justice Roberts got it wrong, where he deferred to the state, which that instinct is right. But what is wrong is it's not the state Supreme Court. It is the state legislature that gets to set those terms. The statute was clear. And thank God, and and not only this, but many occasions for people like Justice Alito, who at least was able to order that those ballots had to be segregated, had to be set aside. So at least there could be a remedy after the fact they brought that case back up again. But time and time again, you see people ignoring the responsibility of the state legislature and, as we saw in Wisconsin, ignoring the law. It's why we've got to persist in these elections. We've got to persist in restoring order, which is not just law and order. It's, I think, restoring the order that comes from the Judeo-Christian values that our country was founded on. And then, as you, I just heard you the other day wisely talking about this, you're absolutely on the money. We've got to long-term restore and, 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 and persist in pushing for changes in the culture, uh, particularly on our college campuses where they're turning our students every single day. And it's exactly why I'm, I'm involved with you have, because we need, we need to get that message out to young people. We give them the truth. The truth is on our side, but all too often this cancel culture in the media and particularly on our campuses uh, is really taking the truth away. They don't want to debate the facts. Uh, they just want to cancel out those of us uh, who, uh, who believe in things that uh, are time-honored traditions. Tell us now about your new position at Young Americans for Freedom, which is a magnificent organization, and where you want to focus the attention of that group. Yeah, YAF.org. It's been around. William F. Buckley helped start it way back in 1960. Barry Goldwater and and, uh, Ronald Reagan were early leaders in the movement. We actually own and operate the Reagan Ranch out in Santa Barbara, which is an extraordinary great tool for high school and college students to come to. Uh, they have uh, the largest group of conservative speakers uh, on campuses when they're open, and they will be soon again at most places across the nation, over 500 active chapters. Uh, I think that's all great, but I want a conservative voice a chapter on every campus, not just undergraduate, but graduate school and even two-year associate degree programs. I don't think it's enough just to be in college. I want to go into high school and even in the pre-teens because you're talking at 12, 13, 14-year-olds are being influenced by culture and media and their teachers. we got to get in there early. And I want to make sure we, we have speakers available and we fight for free speech, not just for our YAP chapters, but for every conservative organization on college campuses across America, not just for our students, but there are there is hope. There are some professors and some high school and junior high teachers who want to be fair, who want to get the facts out. We got to show them they're not alone and we got to give them the support and if need be, go to court to protect their right to speak out on campus and in our schools. 
So that's yaf.org. We'll put it up on our sites, Mr. Producer. Yaf.org, if people want to check it out, and you really should. And, you know, Ron was a superb leader of that organization for decades, oh, and Ron I can't think fabulous. of a better. Ron a better, Robertson yeah. set that 40-plus years, and, had, and as I mentioned, had the foresight to, when the ranch was going to be sold out, helped out uh, Mrs. Reagan at the time, Nancy Reagan, and she, everything is exactly the way it was there. I'm going to be there a week from, from Monday out at the ranch uh, with some folks that are interested in touring it. We actually do virtual tours. so even You know, I've never been there. To come out. Oh, you absolutely got it. You got, not only should you come, come next year, because next year will be the 40th anniversary of the Economic Recovery Act of 1981. Art Laffer is a partner with us in Hillsdale. I just heard your, your commercial. We're, we're actually doing a promotion, an effort, joint effort with Hillsdale and Art Laffer to talk about economic freedom, uh, to help young uh, educators, to help young lawmakers, to help uh, young people, the, the few that might be in the media might be open to our, our views. Next year would be a great year to come because that will be the 40th anniversary. The president signed that tax cut, not in Washington, not at the White House, but at the ranch. And we still have the table he signed it on. We'd love to have you come broadcast from there. Definitely reach out and remind me when it is in the time. We'll see what we can do because I've never been there. And I and my family, we really need to check it out. So You'd love it. I mean, I worked in the administration there for eight years for crying out loud. So. Absolutely. Well, well Scott, what we need yeah. is that's what he was. Uh, back at, uh, you know, obviously several decades ago, he, he made me not just a conservative, but an optimist. And he fundamentally believed in the American people. The ranch, uh, the, the library is wonderful. I love the library because of the Air Force One and all the, the great remnants of, of the administration. But as Ed Meese, so it, obviously, you know, having worked with him, but as Ed Meese has so wisely said, you go to the library to learn about the Reagan administration. You go to the Reagan ranch to learn about Reagan, the man, and you can see his why he loved that area, because it was one side of the valley, the other side of the ocean. It was his eternal belief in the good and decency of the American people, untapped potential, wide open space. It's why he loved clearing the brush and making his way. And we'd love to have you out there. It'd be an honor. Governor Scott Walker, thank you, sir. I appreciate your input here. Keep fighting for freedom. We love it. All right, brother. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine, full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let me show you the type of corruption is going on and why... 
these news, so-called news people and journalist people are not in the field to track it down. Instead, we get idiots like this guy, Jeremy, at the New York Times, who's very worried about what's happening at Fox and talk radio. Just, just such putzes. It's unbelievable. There's now a filing in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, one of the Democrat counties now, used to be Republican, that, that encircle Philadelphia. A lawsuit to stop the certification of the county. Now, why? Now, let's look at item 32. This is what lawyers do. Apparently, it's not what TV hosts or journalists do. Item 32, the return board created a document attached here to and marked as Exhibit D, listing each of the 428 precincts in Delaware County, noting that the ballots could not be reconciled in 78 precincts and an additional 17 precincts No one returned the necessary documents to the board, so they can't reconcile anything. That means 95 precincts were not reconciled out of 428. That is matching the votes with the names. Petitioners' counsel has been unable to obtain information as to the official computation and other issues involving the conduct of the election and the computation of the votes. These are volunteers having to fight these counties, these Democrat strongholds. And then you have people on TV saying, well, it won't amount to anything. It's not enough. Give it up. Give it up. Wait to 2024. You can't wait to 2024. You got to fix this crap now. Because tyranny spreads like cancer. This is being done precinct and precinct. You have to duke it out. And the people duking it out need our support. Not to be told to move along from people who work at think tanks. It's infuriating as hell. Don't forget. Big show Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, Life, Liberty, and Levin. If you can't watch it live, I hope you'll DVR it. I think you'll agree. Once you watch it, I think you'll agree it was worth watching. I certainly hope so. It's been a tough several weeks. I know this. But I want you to, to look at something. There are men and women who have faced tougher. Whether they're in the military, whether they're in the police forces, whether they have kids who are sick, or a family member, a husband or a wife or a parent. You know, there's a lot out there that causes a lot of suffering. So we lift our chins and we fight on. And we're going to have people who are going to disappoint you, people who you thought were loyal. And you're going to have people who are going to put you down and act like there's something wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. America, here we go.
folks. I love you, folks. I'm blessed to be here, and I want to thank you for listening to this program, as you do. Don't forget, Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's a very, very important show. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and the men and women who are actually working and volunteering very hard on these legal cases and are getting no credit. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Good night, Gigi. And good night, my beautiful Barney. Good night, Dad. Good night, Mom. And good night, Leah. We fight on and we do the right thing. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.